Nasty Boy Brian Knobs. And I'm the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And this is the second episode of the XWF series. A lot of hard work and determination went into making the XWF. And our storylines we had, we tried to give the very best to the fans, what they wanted to see. And we had some new stars, like Hale and Ian Harrison. Well, you know what you're talking about? Hard work. You gotta be kidding me. I was there in the office from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, and what time did you and Greg come wandering in? Hey, well, we had to take some breaks in and out of there, Jimmy. You know that. I mean, my legs were hurting. My knees, you know? You know how it is, all these years of wrestling. Well, you, your legs were hurting from carrying sags all these many years. That's hey, what that's it was really truth. all about. Hey, what about our hot CEO and Roddy Piper? That made for some interesting television, let me tell you. But you know what I like? I love the feud between you and your partner sags against the road warriors. And oh, what yeah. about the young guns, man? Oh, the young man. superstars. Oh, hey, Nobs, oh, why don't we lace up our oh, boots yeah. and let's watch the second episode of the XWF from Universal Studios Orlando, Florida. Let's get ready, baby. is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen, yeah. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. Nights, what is going on there to the big Vitoites, the Haminites, the PWCites, you know, these ites, those ites, this ite, that ite, ites all around. It's an ite fest, it's Idorama, it's the Ida Loser, it's Idorific. There's too many ites, I can't even, I can't even know which ite I'm talking about. But anyway, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Reflection, the PWR podcast here at the PWR Sunday, what's that, powerbeam.com. And Welcome to another episodic episode of the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. And if you don't know what episodic means, we take, you know, companies like the WWE, NWA, AWA, WCW, ECW, ICW, XWF, XPW, uh, CCW, MLW, whatever organization, we will try to find an episodic episode. So for this week's PWR Podcast, I went back 20 years, Reflectionites. I found a doozy. But before I even talk about that doozy I found, 
I must introduce myself because I'm vain like that. I am arrogant like that. But most importantly, I'm glorious like that. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, punditry. The only objective man in Pobbing. The only objective man on the left, on the right, on Twitter, on the metaverse, on the on any universe. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. But I'm not here alone. I'm here with another objective man. I'm here with the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, the dumb dumb duel entity its own, the iron stomach one, Dr. Freaking Stein. Sexy time. Mr. Wonderful Tommy Strong, aka the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. And it's funny, you said something about the Twitter or the online, whatever. Uh, just to give you a little example of the hypocrisy of this whole Elon Musk buying Twitter stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So all your favorite people are saying, he's going to make it where the conservatives get to spread all their heat and rile people up. Today, Beetlejuice, the mayor of Chicago, called for people to pull an insurrection on the SCOTUS because of this abortion stuff going on. And Twitter did not ban him, hit her, him. I don't know their pronouns. They... Beetlejuice is still on there. The post is still up. Mm-hmm. And the word insurrection, all that, well, maybe insurrection is more the word story used. But the point is, you have a mayor of a large city in the United States of America calling on people to raid the Supreme Court justices. They had to take one of them, the Asian guy, Aito, I don't know his name. Alito. Alito, they had to take him into hiding because people specifically want to murder him. Murder! Not not take over the Capitol building, murder him. And all the people complaining about Elon Musk buying Twitter are eerily silent about Beetlejuice and their tweet. I'm, I'm sure that you might have maybe quoted that tweet to Beetlejuice and said, Hey, this is still up. Hey. I did it. I did it because I would have to then find out the real name of Beetlejuice and go find them. And I don't care. So I love it. I want the hypocrisy to be there because I want every single one of these idiots who used to bow at the feet of Elon Musk for inventing the electric car that's going to stop the earth from dying before the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I the New Green Deal, but the Green New Deal because even their English is fucked up in the liberal side of town. But the bottom line is I, the more stuff like that that's up, the more dumb they look. There's a term they use, useful idiots. And I mm-hmm. see them on Twitter every single day. People who still quote shit that has been disproven just for the sake of it. And my favorite thing I saw the other day was someone saying, it's great father for entertainment. Respect the office of the president of the United States. And I all I wrote was, you're kidding, right? That's all I wrote. Because for four years, that's not what those people were saying or doing. So it's just hilarious to me. P.S. I don't like none of them. I don't like any politician. Very, very short list. I love Ron DeSantis. But there's a very short list of politicians that I like or respect. Most of them are going to be local people. Right. Uh, You like Ron DeSantis? I like Jesse Ventura. It goes both ways. There you go. There you go. That's that's the gambit. Yeah, like you. Both ways. But, uh... You walk right into that every time. I'm sure I've already pissed off one of the 12 by fucking up the pronouns of Beetlejuice. Well, on top of calling them Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better at saying them, though. But she does look like Beetlejuice. I'm not even... You know. No, that's a she, though. That's I honestly don't. I, I don't know if they... It is, 
It is a she, but she does look like Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern radio program. It is definitely. I hope when I get the heat, you get a little heat too for that. Because I didn't say it. Dude, I get heat all the time on the PWS network. So it's apropos for the professor to always get heat. But I knew I thought you was gonna walk, you was gonna like say something about getting the heat. But not neither here nor that. Let's get on with the show. Let's get on to this nostalgia. Let's get on to this episodic episode, TW. And I picked the doozy, not because it was great, but I picked the doozy because sometimes this is a footnote in professional wrestling history, TW. I picked the XWF, Excitement Wrestling Federation. You know that little dinky... That's what it was called? Yes. Wow. Did not know that. Well, you know, don't you know X meant excitement? Well, there's a local there's a local promotion here. It's called XICW, and the original promotion was run by Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe. Look him up; mm-hmm. he's a big deal in Detroit. Uh, gave me my first U.S. booking. I always love him and appreciate him for that. He's long gone. Rest in peace, Big Daddy. But his son Malcolm Jr. Uh, started XICW because his dance was called ICW. So it was mm-hmm. a pun. Like we're no longer ICW; we're XICW. Right. And I want to say there was some heat involved, but not really. Him, you know, he still talks about his dad to this day very, very affectionately. And his, like his dad's a big deal around here. I miss his dad. But and Malcolm's a good dude. His name's DBA, the Dirty Black Assassin. Oh wow! He's been holding it down for twenty years in the local Detroit scene. If if anyone That's knows the Detroit scene, they know XICW. Uh, they're definitely the most consistent promotion, but it's pretty adult. You would like it because it's more extreme if you will and that's what it was extreme intense championship wrestling but you're saying this was exciting yes it, it was well excitement i always something talk about something started by a bunch of old white dudes that's yeah. right there i find it funny where any wrestling company that starts the word x is either extreme or excitement so you there was nowhere in between where you could go with the x but, how did you yeah. feel about how did you feel about their logos and their T-shirts? Not all the logos, because the ring did set XCW or XWF. It was the X in the middle with the W and the F on the sides. Like you're reading it here, then left to right, like almost up down. I, I think when you look at it, didn't it remind you of the Attitude Era's WWF? And then they was trying to do they were trying to split it into yeah. their own with the X. That that's the way I looked at it. Number one, number it was, two, they were they were they were putting the focus on X. Yeah, it, 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 first letter you can't do that for a logo with symmetry and all that but there was a logo that had the x it was huge and then the wf came out of it that might be the one you're thinking like the scratch logo yeah it looked to me that's the way it looked to me so that that's number one number two you even talk about like you know a couple of old white boys trying to start an exciting uh wrestling federation in the universal studios florida but we have to talk about again the business of professional wrestling from 2001 to 2002, as the XWF only lasted for a year. But we're talking about, but for Reflection Nights, let me just say this. We're talking, we looked at a best of DVD XWF episode. So right. it's not from a particular year. It's a it's a gambit of matches. It's a gambit of storylines, uh, whatever. Well, it wasn't episode two. It was episode two of the collages. Yes, it was a collection. It was collection number two of the of the DVD set, whatever the case may be. Gotcha. But I find it funny, TW, that XWF again. The let's be honest, the business of wrestling was not at its phoenix in two thousand one. It was at a dying state. Two companies, two legitimate American 
companies, WCW and ECW folded, money problems and all that stuff, and the only one left in town was the WWF. So, of course, there was a hole to be filled for any company, TW, any company to take over. And I find it funny, number one, and I guess let's play the hindsight 2020. We knew that Eric Bischoff had this team of guys, financial investors and all, whatever the case may be. I forgot the, the, the company name, but they were ready to buy WCW. But then, you know, the deal crashed because WCW was not going to be put on TBS. It was not going to be put on TNT. But TNT, hindsight tells you that the XWF, think about this. The XWF came out of that those ashes. But Eric Bischoff and that company, I think, oh, it was Fusion Media. That company had nothing. Didn't want to do nothing with XWF. Didn't want to help it and like get a television deal. Didn't want to help it to get a marketing strategy. Didn't want to help it to, you know, propel itself. It could have been a legit number two company. But if it, because it wasn't, you know, that's why you had ROH come up out of the ashes. You had MLW come up out of the ashes. You had TNA Impact Wrestling come out of the ashes after 2001, 2002, respectively. So, TW, play that hindsight role. I, this is all speculation. This is all I'm, – I'm just speculating here. This is not factual. But I'm just saying the, the real fact was Eric Bischoff and his company didn't invest anything in XWF. But what, what say you if they did? Could it have been something? Could it have lasted at least 10 years or something and then folded? No, because because the problem was, uh, what XWF did was actually, I, I would say the direct descendant of this is TNA. Because didn't they do the Florida studios before they went to Nashville? Uh, who, XWF or TNA? TNA. TNA went Nashville first, then to Universal oh, Studios. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it was an option probably, but... It, this should have succeeded. However, um, it's 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 a tall it's it's a telling fact. WCW getting bought by Bischoff and all them fell through because it didn't come with a TV slot. They they were mm -hmm. basically throwing their money away if they didn't have a TV slot. Now, we're talking a lot of money. Now they could have bought it and maybe sat on it for a minute, like Ring of Honor did before finally selling to Con. How they were like we're letting everybody out of their contracts six months. We're coming mm -hmm. back renewed. They could have done something like that, but then it, it, it would have been uh, too little too late. Like WCW had to keep going right then or look like the loser, right? Which it right. was in the Monday Night Wars. Um, being led by Bischoff would have helped if they kept going because it would have been like he was still a participant. But him being gone and WCW taking on WWF probably would have not ended well anyway. Um, but, I mean, look what happened. With impact, when Bischoff got there, and they tried going head to head on Monday, so that didn't last long. So, mm -hmm. not having a TV deal was why they didn't take their money and buy it. Because obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty, they probably wish they would have for the catalog alone. Um, and but they didn't, and and they because they knew it, you you're not making money without a TV deal, especially right. after their 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 attendance was probably down at that time. All of it was down. Plus. Buying it would have took all their money, so they probably didn't have any operating costs, which they would have got from the TV deal, right? So mm -hmm. XWF, it's so well done. After the episode that I watched, another one just played on its own, and it, it reminded me of 80s WWF where Mean Gene was in a studio 
talking like the event center, but he was in an empty ring in an empty uh, venue saying, you know, there's a lot of technical things that go behind creating a wrestling show. And I thought, man, this, first of all, I didn't even know existed until you had me watch it. Second of all, I didn't know we did an episode before. So that's when I found out it existed. So this time I, 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 there's some highs and lows, and we'll talk about it as we talk about the show. And I'll just say the first low T- for me. TW, hold on, hold on for the uh, low. Yep. Let me just say this for the the vision of XWF. When you said that it was kind of like back in the '80s things, yeah. that was actually the the Gold. let's say the mission statement. It yeah. was to be family friendly. It was supposed to be opposite of the Attitude Era because they wanted to create things for the kids to come. It reminds me of Global. Yeah. But 80s, 80s WWE, but global. Um, And I I can't help but think those fans were, like, free before their their tickets at Universal. But they participated, whether or not it was a applause meter or whatever. Because they did Mm -hmm. seem to clap at anything and everything, including a very weak promo by Vampiro. Um, We'll talk about all that stuff. But for me, this, this is the difference. Had they had TBS or TNT, Mm -hmm. they'd have made it. Hell, TNA's still around because they got Spike TV for a minute, right? And then, right. and then you know, everything else has been Sinclair or YouTube or whatever it's been. They've been hanging on dear life, and they're, and they're they're starting to resurge. That's a good thing. So if they can just get on a regular TV station, they're probably going to do well. But in today's world, you don't even need to be on TV anymore as long as someone has a way to stream it. Um, obviously, they have a lower fan base than the Precious Darling AEW and WWE. But at the same token... They have a fan base that's pretty loyal who aren't going to turn on them. I don't ever see people bashing Impact Wrestling at all. Like, AEW fans, like, dismiss it, you know. Um, Maybe WWE, you don't see Impact Wrestling fans uh, bash it because there's hardly any left, especially with the ratings. And I'm not trying to be funny here. No, no, no. But uh, what I'm saying is whenever I do hear anything about mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling, it's someone talking about it's the best thing on TV. And most people don't know it because they yeah. either see it or they don't see it. And so, but, but, and I know Scott DeMore personally, he trained me to wrestle the guy, Jody Hamilton was his dude. That's who ran NWA and WCW when it became WCW at first. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all those dudes down in Atlanta loved DeMore. He was a job guy down there, but he was friends with all those guys. Uh, you know, Bischoff's been on impact. Uh, he probably hasn't been there with Scott, but Bischoff knows who Scott is obviously now, but even back then, um, when I got grabbed by Bischoff, asked me why I was there. I said, I'm here with Scott Demore. He's like, who's that? I go, he worked Craig Pittman. He goes, okay. And walks away, leaves me alone. Right. So, but the point is WCW, or I'm sorry, impact wrestling is run by a wrestling guy. And that's Scott mm-hmm. Demore and whoever's helping him. Right. Right. Um, so you're, you're getting a pure wrestling show. The difference, and I know I'm going to take some heat for this. AEW is run by a wrestling fan. It's different. It's why people are already burning out on it because it's just high spot city. The storylines are quick and done. I just read before we went live here, Thunder Rosa's comparing her feud with Britt Baker to The Rock and Stone Cold. And I'm like, and whose fucking eyes? Like, what? And in, in, in what way? Like, you have two matches and one of them you bled? Come on, stop it, right? But I think yeah. she's alluding to the longevity of it. Big deal. What are the other options? <laughs> There's not that many of you down there, right? So you two or whatever, you dragged it out. But the point is, WWF, 
it's run by a guy who's probably lost his touch, right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm man enough to admit that the WWE today is not what it was. Even, mm-hmm. even though I consistently say they're not booking for you, me, and any other buddy even remotely our age, they're booking for kids, and that seems to be working. But it's still different when I watch it. Like I don't watch he's, it. He's a wrestling guy who's turned into a wrestling, who's turned into a corporate businessman. Businessman, right? He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's content maker if you will that's the term right. i see thrown around there but the problem with aew and, and this is coming from a washed up never was wrestler it's not sustainable because he, everything he does from big announcement next week people are already mocking that going oh another one because it's at this point he has to do it because he's done it so much and now they're duds right and i'm not even talking about the ring that didn't explode that's a whole nother slap in the face of their legacy right but my point is they try to make everything up, 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 up. One of the things I read the other day, and I would have loved to see XWF get to pay-per-view status where you could. So someone on either the Hustle page or, or our page was talking about, um, or it might have been the, the news on Facebook, where they were talking about Double or Nothing is coming up, and they've never had a pay-per-view with over nine matches on it, right? So the whole article. So the whole article was pointing out that in order to get all these guys on the pay-per-view, they have to have more than nine matches, or they have to throw a battle royal in there, or they have to do a bunch of trios. Oh, it, oh yeah, it had to be trios matches, lots of right. taxi Just matches, and all that stuff. There. And then someone predictably writes, why do you have to have everyone on there? That's WWE booking 101. That's Vince's thing. Everyone's got to get in there. How many people were on that WrestleMania Backlash show? Did you there see you Kevin count. Owens out there? Mm-mm. Did you see Sami Zayn out there? Jinsuke? Did you see him? Didn't no. see it. Bianca Belair either. Because who the fuck thinks WWE puts all their guys on every pay-per-view? No one. There were people not on WrestleMania, which was two days. Finn Balor wasn't on either one. Damian Priest wasn't other than the interference. So who, who, who in their right mind, A, thinks you have to have every guy on every pay-per-view, and B, hey, I for one would be happy if Adam Cole wasn't on double or nothing. Not because I think it means he's fallen. I already know that. But it's because then we'll want to see him again because we didn't see him on that, right? So mm-hmm. these people thinking that everybody has to be on every show. How many, Are you sick of seeing the, what's it called, Black Booty Club? Blackpool yeah. Booty Club, whatever? BBC, it, yes. BBC, Big Black Color, whatever the fuck that, B, BBW, that's what it is. <laughs> Big Black Women. Uh, anyway, how many more trios matches do we got to watch? First of all, we went eight months with all of them fighting Euler or Wheeler. Wait a minute. Are we turning nostalgia? Are we nostalgia? Are we turning Carl? I'm saying the the difference between, right? So mm-hmm. go back to XWF. It's run, unfortunately, by the inmates. It's run by the guys who ran WCW Underground because, you know, they, they had good intentions. They had, you know, well, it's hard a good to tell you you say the inmates, but the only uh, inmate that was running it, technically logistically, was Jimmy Hart. He and was Hogan. made president. Jimmy Hart does nothing without Hulk Hogan, which well, means true. which means Jerry uh, or Brian Knobs is also got a hand in the cookie jar. The, yeah. Trust me, it ain't just Hogan and Jimmy Hart. God bless him. Bobby Heenan's there. He's probably got some input, and that's what I mean. Sometimes that's good. You got a nice soup of guys who know what they're doing. The problem right. is they know what worked for them. 
How are they supposed to get Vampiro over? How are they supposed to get Buff Bagwell over? How are you supposed to get the AJ Styles did the worst promo I've ever seen him do on this thing that you had me watch? And mm-hmm. I thought Rick Martel. Now every time I see a bad interview, Rick Martel right there, AWA Martel promo. But the bottom line is, no, no TV deal. Um, again, we're talking about anyway. It, the whole show, we're being told it's the Nasty Boys versus the Shane Brothers. Who, by the way, were those the Basham twins? No. They weren't. They looked like the Bashams on more those, those were the Shane twins of WCW circa early 90s, and then they buffed up. Don't remember them. So, mm-hmm. did they have long hair? Yeah. The Cole, mullets. The blonde mullet. Kent Shane? Yeah. Cole the and Kate. was them? That's them. Cole and Kent Cole, or whatever the hell their name was? Mm-hmm. Wow, they we're gassed up. But anyways, the whole show, it's the nasty. They have a storyline, and Knobs and, and Jimmy Hart are talking about storylines. It's the Nasty Boys versus Shane Brothers. Nasty Boys music comes on. By the way, it was horrible music. Then it goes off, and then I'm like, how does Buff Bagwell come out to his song? How does whoever Mr. Perfect came out to a weak-ass version of the Perfect song? And they call it the Henningplex, but still call it a Mr. Perfect. Weird shit. But all of a sudden, the Nasty Boys don't come out. The Road Warriors do. And then they kill these dudes. The dude broke. Did you see how he landed on a Doomsday device? Yeah, very bad. All of a sudden, the Nasty Boys sneak out there to piss off the Road Warriors. What? What? The whole problem was you getting beat by the Shane brother. So this is what I mean by the inmates running the asylum. Those One of those knuckleheads came up with that idea. Hey, let's just mm-hmm. have the Road Warriors come out instead. No, they didn't show the Nasty Boys laid out in the back like the Road Warriors beat them up. So no TV deal, no consistency leads to me not ever hearing about them until you ask me to review a show of them. But it, I, I get the compare. I get the <laughs> wait. I get the comparisons like you're talking about. You got the inmates, you're saying, of the 80s that protected themselves. Right. They probably didn't want to get the next generation over. We could talk about Dixie for a second, Reflection Ice. She had a vision. She was a mark who got manipulated by carny wrestlers. By the same so, guys. Well, some, not all the same guys, but some of them. Hogan and his circle. Yeah. You talked about Scott Demore, and he's the wrestling guy. Maybe a little bit biased because you got some people invested in Impact Wrestling. So, man, I, I'm not saying it's great. I fully, fully understand where you'd say that, but I'm telling you from a guy, there are scoot, there are two Scott Demores walking this earth. You know who okay. they are? Scott Demore, my friend, who takes me to Red Wing games or invites me to his bar or his house or whatever for parties, going away for, uh, what's my man that just left WWE? Kushida. He came to Border City to train and then went back to Japan to start his career. I was at one of those deals with him. That's my friend. He will give you the sh- He pulled a, uh, a Labatt Blue display off of his wall that had all the hockey helmets of the goalies to give to me. Because I said, hey, man, if you ever change that, let me have it. He goes, this, pulls it off the wall in the middle of an open bar and gives it to me to take home. Then there's Scott Demore running a wrestling show. That Scott Demore had me wanting to wait for him out back to fist fight him. He had me wanting to drop gloves right there when he was a dick to me. Because mm-hmm. Scott Demore is spinning so many plates, but he does it well. He puts on a good wrestling show. And there's two different guys. And that's what I mean I'm by not- I'm just saying that's. I'm just no, no, looking no, no, at no. it from that but basis. I'm telling you, if he fucked up, I would tell you he fucked up. And mm-hmm. this is the same guy. Nothing came of it, but this is the same guy who took meetings with the WWE and almost got Impact Wrestling on the WWE Network. He ended up making an agreement so they could use AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, and whoever else's footage on their documentaries on the network. They made mm-hmm. a deal that way, but it's little baby steps because Scott knows. 
I don't, I'm not going to say no to these guys if I don't have to. Mickey James wore the Impact World Title to the damn Royal Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. So right. he's smart. He knows he works with Impact. He was or AEW. He was ringside with AEW doing commentary. So he knows what he's doing. Is what I'm saying. And he's he knows slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. AEW, for lack of a better term, is the is the hair. Impacts the tortoise. That's my point. Okay. I get. I give you that. And, and Tony Khan is a millionaire money mark fan. Right. Who some people say is being manipulated by the EVPs, the elite. Right. But some other people saying that Tony Khan is so a mark for himself that he's not even being manipulated by them. This is, like you said, a wrestling fan booking what he wants to see. So neither here nor there. Which, so. which makes him sub- subconsciously a very big mark for Mr. McMahon. Not Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon. Or even Bischoff mm-hmm. in NWO. He's but, he, but meaning he's putting himself on TV all the time. Vince that, did it. For, thank God he's not doing that just yet. But uh, less of him is better. Vince did it because he needed a heel. Mm-hmm. Bischoff did it because it was heat, right? Like right. you know, everyone knew he was the VP. It was heat at work. Tony Khan comes out there like a happy little Make a Wish kid, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" You know what I mean? And I don't mean that as a knock towards Make a Wish kids. I mean he. It's like, what's my he biggest did. knock, Daniel Bryan? Maybe you don't remember it, put you on the spot. But my biggest knock on Daniel Bryan, who I think is one of the best, he's one of the most over guys of all time. That that WrestleMania where he won that belt and that crowd was doing the yes thing, or even that Monday Night Raw where they invaded the ring to take it over, the dude is over. But you know what he can't do to save his life? Talk. Keep a straight face. He oh. always looks like he's going to laugh in the wrestling ring. He does and smile Tony, a lot. Yeah. Tony comes out and always looks like a little kid who just met Santa Claus at the mall. And yeah. God bless him. That means he enjoys what he's doing. But he's never going to be a heel. He tried being a heel on Impact. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He's this normal make-a-wish self on AEW. And it, didn't, it, it didn't work there. I, I get you. I get you. So let's get back into the XWF. You talked about at least a little bit of a segment between the Nasty Boys, the Shane Twins, and the Road Wars. But, you know, Reflection Nights, again, this is not the brainchild of Jimmy Hart. You could say that inmates are in the asylum. Jimmy Hart has his crew of people. Hulk Hogan's the head of the table. Acknowledge him. You got Brian Ives at the side. You got Greg the Hammer Valentine. So, TW, there's one storyline that was consistent for the XWF, let's say, the duration that lasted for a year. And it had to do with the power, you know, the higher power, if you will. We had the person running XWF, Rita Mero, a.k.a. Sable, who she appointed a commissioner to make the matches, you know, make sure that law and order prevails in XWF. And she appointed Roddy, Roddy Piper. Yo, this is the third week we giving Roddy, Roddy Piper some play <laughs> here on the PWR podcast. I'm not trying to say I have, you know, an affinity for Roddy Piper reflection ice, but consistency. I'm just stating the obvious. We talked about him. Zombies, we talk about rivalries, and now we're talking about the XWF commissioner, Roddy Roddy Piper TW. So let's talk about that storyline because that's the most consistent one. It's something that I'm going to say, you know, not for XWF purposes. I'm just going to say verbatim. You can talk about WWF and what you can't fuck up a, a power struggle angle. Am I right or wrong, or you have a difference of opinion? Or they did fuck it up with the little segment that you saw. First of all, that was the thing I was saying in the beginning when I was ranting. Their biggest mistake was making Sable the the person that she was. She's not good. She's 
Every time she you was... You know why they made her that. I mean, you have to understand yeah. that. I mean, the name, the brand awareness, you know who she was. Playboy cover model. She was one of the most downloaded women Absolutely. at that time, make her along with fuck. Sonny. You don't make her the CEO, the dumb blonde. It would have made more sense if Piper was the CEO and she was the person that he she, he hired her to to keep it. Like, uh, again, maybe this comes off. You wanted to reverse that to make her the commissioner and make the matches? I don't know if that would have worked. I don't know. I'm just I'm looking at it from that standpoint. Why it would work? Because you have a, a woman who has no stake in the male matches making the matches. Unless mm -hmm. she interfered with Mark Merrill somehow, who's Johnny B. Bad somehow again. But anyways... It, it just she's not good and every time she spoke i felt like she was reading something so i kept looking like where the fuck is she reading there's no there's nothing to read and then even piper wasn't that good he's telling vampire to look her eyes are up here buddy and then every time he talks to her he's looking at her boobs it was just weird and so um that was mistake number one uh and i didn't take it as a power struggle i i didn't i know that's what they were trying to do especially at the very end and in the beginning it felt like they were on the same page, and then all of a sudden she comes out yelling, I told you, your job is just to make the matches, because he came out and hit Mr. Perfect with a chair. But the weird part is he was helping the faces. So none of it made sense to me as far as it being a power struggle. It, 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 you know what it felt like to me? Like Piper still what? wanted to wrestle. Okay. That's what it felt like to me. It did not feel like he wanted to have law and order and be the sheriff. It may, which is what he was doing with the chair and perfect punch in the chair instead of him. Um, but at the same token, it was very, it was just, it was poor to me. Like it was, but again, and I, I put most of it on, on, on uh, Sable. I can't even fuck Rena, whatever the fuck. Rena Merrow. <laughs> I put it most on her. Um, but I also feel like there's a little bit of Piper phoning it in like that movie we watched like ah, i'm just here to get paid right like like it, it just feels like he's not all in like I, I expected better from him i i feel like heenan was pretty subdued there i feel like jimmy hart was all over the place but in the only in the promo so he wasn't even out there for any matches well i'll, uh, def I'll defend bobby heenan i mean again we don't know the the timeline in because his health, his yeah. health. I, I think perfect came out to be perfect. I think, but but the other thing I didn't get, and I don't know if you want to seg into it or if you had a plan to talk about it, but you know they're talking about the young guys in the back, and 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 so at the end of this thing, we hear names like Kid Cash and AJ Styles, and we did see a promo from him, but the young guys ended up being Vampiro and Buff Bagwell. What? what? The two guys that just were NWO for life are are the young guys who never got a chance. It was it was the most awkward. No, the new blood, not not NWO, new blood. They were new blood first. Oh no, Buff was a fucking NWO. He was in like all fucking four versions. Well, but no, he he was. Vampiro wasn't. But Rena's like, and that reminds me of a story. You when you were a fifteen year old kid, you had your bag out there waiting for someone to give you a chance. What? You like you didn't just just spend five years teaming with Sting and wrestling with Sting and then what? It just it was. It was, it was. You had so many young guys you could have brought out there. There was young guys out there that I, I'm going to ask you. Whatever happened to this guy? Whatever happened to that guy? Guys that I never saw before. The opening match being one of them. I think it was the tag match. Um, the Puerto Rican guy, the very the first Puerto Rican star. Which I'm sorry, Carlos oh, Colon, Juan, Juan Valdez, it? Gonzalez, and Kone. Raul Gonzalez or something. Robert. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Who the fuck? I never seen that guy in my life, and apparently he didn't make it too long in the business, but. Probably worked in uh, Carlos Colon's WWC. Uh, but he is a he's a uh, whatever the hell that's called down there. Luchador. Oh, what the Puerto Rican territory was called? It was WWC. Yeah, that's World what I said. 
World Council. World Wrestling Council for Carlos Colon at that he time. He looked like so. young blood to me, like the build, but not Indian. He looks Native American. He looks right. like a Puerto Rican version of that. Then you got, I still don't know. It looked like it was, what's the Mortal Kombat guy, Sub-Zero? What's, what's that guy's name? Damn it, uh, I knew it when I saw him. Wait, which match are you talking about? The guy from WCW that was supposed to be... Oh, Sub-Zero. Glacier? Glacier, but his name was Dresden or something. Did you mm-hmm. see the promo? And you could barely tell it was him. Then you had Heidenreich Hogan, who came out at the end and, and mm-hmm. did whatever he did. But I'm just like, who? There's there's guys that could have been your young blood that never got a chance, right? You're telling me you didn't see these guys trolling along at least in 2001 somewhere in the Indies? They didn't make it up to the Midwest? Dude, those two specifically. And then I got a question for you. First okay. man, Conan. I don't know how the hell he lasted in the business as long as he did. His peak for me was Max Moon, and then he quit, and it was Paul Diamond. So that's that. But you don't it, give him it, too much credit. He has good uh, a good mind for the business, especially in the Mexican. He might, but, but he ain't got good mind for entertaining me. He's terrible. And then mm-hmm. one thing I give him credit for: he's wrestling in those pants that looks like they're sagging, so you see his boxers. But mm-hmm. he goes to make the tag to Raul Gonzalez, and I notice. It was just his pants pulled up, and he had a layer that was a different color to make it look like it was sagging. I go, because I was thinking, pull your pants up. Like, you're going to trip. Like, like concern, not, like, fashion, please. Mm-hmm. And then I know, I'm like, that's genius. Like, it made it look like he was sagging, but he wasn't. It was a genius thing. But my question for you is, I feel like, with the exception of Hooventude, all those WCW luchadors that unmasked, I think it killed their careers. Killed them. Like, Psychosis comes mm-hmm. out, looks like a janitor. I didn't even right. know it was him. I knew he was one of the guys that got unmasked, but Hooventude, like, soared after he took his mask off. And he was awesome with it. That's and when debatable. He, I don't know if, he, if he's... I mean, when he, he was no juice, When he was Hoobie yeah, Juice. That doesn't mean it was successful. But I'm saying, he was on TV all the time, and I, to me, he was entertaining. Freaking mm-hmm. other dude, wasn't he one of the dudes riding the lawnmower in WWE for a while there? The psychosis, was it psychosis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking of Lar Parker. I can't even picture what psychosis looks like. He had he had a mask like Hooventude, right, with the like electro shit coming out of the face. It was it was skeletor esque, but not Lar Parker skeleton. No, no. Yeah, but he just he just I think he looked like Tommy Lee, at, a Mexican Tommy Lee. At, it just was boring. And when he came mm-hmm. out, they didn't even put his name on the screen. It just says psychosis or no, Hooventude. And they go, hit their partner or their opponents. I'm like, this is a tag match? I thought he was just coming to the ring with them. And then Puerto Rican sensation. I'm like, oh, who's this? What the? Who? Who the hell is this? Here's the problem with XWF Reflection. I said, I'll answer this for TW. We don't know the core base of a roster. We just don't know. We knew, you know, Hogan's there. We knew Nobbs is there. We knew Hart is there because that they had the most investment into this company. Everybody else was a favor from Hogan. You know, everybody else is like, Hogan, hey, brother, you want to work in Universal Studios of Florida and make a quick hundred bucks, 200 bucks? I have to say it has to be a hundred or 200 bucks. And right. someone like Greg the Hammer Valentine would be like, hell yeah, give me 200 bucks for nothing. Bobby the Brain Heenan getting 200 bucks for making an appearance at the at the studios. Perfect. The same thing, but we don't know the the core roster. And you even talk about the the young guys that don't even. There was a guy named Hale, H A I L. Yeah, that's, managed, 
that was managed by that was managed by Jimmy Hart. I don't know who he is. No, I no, 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 no. That was another one. That was the other one I couldn't think of. He looked yeah. like me on steroids. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hail. Like what? I'm, first thing I thought is everyone giving WWE shit for having one word names, and that's all these dudes were all one word names. I'm like, eh. but I swore those were the Basham brothers, man. See, see, you know, WWE gets a lot of flack for the one word names, but they didn't start the trend. It's been started years Over. ago. Yeah, Goldberg so, started the fucking trend. That's who started it. Th- that too, and you know, maybe some people would have debated that. That was Haku. a. It was Haku. That that too. Umaga. King Haku, but they didn't want to use the whole name, right? But neither here nor there. Reflection. Again, we're going all around this gamut because this was not an episodic episode. This was a best of DVD series episode two. So we're looking at things that kind of caught our eyes here. Reflection. So. Within the XWF TW, we got to talk about the commentary at the time. It was lead play-by-play announcer Tony Schiavone. And you can see a difference here with Tony Schiavone than you saw, let's say, the last two years of WCW's existence. He wasn't tired. He wasn't exhausted. I'm not saying he was having fun. Maybe... <laughs> maybe maybe you might say he was phoning it in, but let's say you about Tony Schiavone because, again... He's having fun in AEW. He's not the lead play-by-play man, but he's having fun in AEW. We can admit that. Here, there's no pressure to be that guy like he was in WCW as the lead play-by-play man. I don't think there was a lot of responsibilities for him, but I think he was having just maybe a little bit of fun, knowing that it was just one place, one consistent place to come do his thing for maybe an hour or two and then come back the next week and do it again. Let's say you. Maybe I'm looking at it differently. I'm going to bring up AEW again because I'm going to compare the two. I don't think he looks like he's having fun in AEW at all. I I think he looks ridiculous there. Like, I I feel bad for him when I because he's usually shilling for Brooke, Britt Baker, whatever, or, you know, he's doing some kind of interview or something. He might do play-by-play for one of their shows. I don't know. But but they also have four-person commentary booths. Like, that's got to suck, right? Mm -hmm. Just three is bad enough. Four? You know, like when I watched the, the Friday night one, I'm like, how many fucking guys are talking? It's Jericho, Ricky Starks, the dude with the mask, which will never not be weird to me. It'd be one thing if it was Rey Mysterio doing it, but the dude I never heard of was wearing a mask, Excalibur? Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. So anyways, whereas here, what I think it is, I think he just, he, it's back to just being a wrestling show. Because it was a pure wrestling show. It wasn't... You know what I mean? It almost felt like the early Monday Night Raws. Them early Monday Night Raws were awesome, where they were in the Manhattan Center every week, and it just felt like Some a. Some thought that was mundane and stupid. Too. It got there, but that's therein mm-hmm. lies the problem. That's why things have to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, and again, I'm not trying to knock AEW, but I'm telling you from a point of view of someone who was there for the stuff that was like the XWF, and then being there for the stuff that's like AEW. It's a pinball machine versus a Etch-A-Sketch, right? Mm-hmm. What they're doing in XWF is nice and contrite, just a nice Etch-A-Sketch, even flow, whatever, whereas AEW is an absolute pinball machine where you don't know what's happening next because everything's coming from all angles. And it's not just them. It's it's. Yeah, rest- I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about the structure. I get the AEW where Surviving was, but that's not his responsibility. He looked happy there and not tired. Was It was just a wrestling show. It wasn't politics. It wasn't backstage bickering it was it was just it was new for lack of a better thing and maybe the beginning of AEW, maybe he was happy because it was him and wasn't it mike tanay at first no it was him and jim ross and excalibur 
That was the core. That's been the core. Hmm? Then him and Tanae must have been impact. He never did him. He only did one episode or two the most of impact. He never did a commentary. But anyways, in the beginning, he looked happy. He was on the set of basically Nitro with the first few. uh, Well, that that, that set was WCW Worldwide. So he knows where that building is. He knows. I think he was happy there. But now I think three years in, he's probably like, yeah, okay, this is just a job. So, but, but, but I think he was excited for XWF. I wouldn't be surprised if he... And Heenan and Jimmy Hart and Nob, I wouldn't be surprised if they were all contributing people. Like, if this thing blows up, they all get a cut of it, you know, like investors. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so yeah, he does look like he's having fun there. But he, I think a couple times he's got a look on his face where he's like, what the fuck was that? Like, I couldn't tell if they came back from the vignette to him. Because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for him to say, what the fuck? Because it was a vignette that was horrible. I can't remember what it was. But... And they came back to him. He's like, all right, now we're back. And that's where Simon Diamond comes out with Johnny Swinger, who's still going today. That's someone I knew back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. He he comes out. And this this is another misstep for me with these guys. Because well, before you talk about, you delve into it, let's talk about the color analyst that was with Tony Schiavone. Oh, yeah. and, My bad. And that was Jerry the King Lawler, who had a falling out with Vince McMahon over his it was his wife or fiance at the time the cat the cat was pretty young i think she was 19 20 21 at the time and he he chose the cat over the wwf for a couple of months and then he came back but neither here nor there i'm not going with the logistics but he went with his work woman so xwf came at the right time for him so he taped a couple of episodes so now go into your diatribe of the angle that you saw here Simon Diamond, and of course, these are ECW alumnus, Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger. You know, I'll do a little little impact diatribe with Johnny Swinger. God bless him. I respect the hell out of him and his hustle. And he looks good at his age right now and doing what he's doing. He knows to, like, he knows he's not going to be the main event in 2020 Deuce. We know this. But he knows his value and he knows... If he gets TV time, he has some memorable – he's the one that's most memorable on the TV segments, whether it's dumb, hokey, comedic, or whatever. He could have a minute match where he gets squashed, but he makes that minute count. So what say you, T.W.? First of all, all credit to him. He's the guy back in the 90s in Cleveland, Ohio, who told me, no matter what I do, do not leave that building without shaking Manny Fernandez's hand and saying thank you when I had my Manny Fernandez incident. Uh, that was Swinger who told me to do that. Uh, he had an actually pretty good match with, with uh, Fernandez the night before after Joey Legend got basically stretched by him the first night, and then he tried stretching me in Legacy the third night. But anyways... He has a segment from ECW that you might recall that Jeff, who's my buddy, who was the Impact Ring announcer, just did the show with um, Big Ray and Colin. Um, He was in front of a giant, like, industrial fan, and someone came to talk to him. He goes, hey, don't interrupt me. Can't you see I'm being blown by my biggest fan right now? And Jeff just thought that was the greatest thing ever. As a, mm-hmm. And it made TV. So, I mean, but he's got a mind for it. Um, there were times where I wasn't sure how I felt about Swinger. Uh, another thing, um, he was called Johnny Hot Hollywood Body um, Paradise was his name when I met him. And a guy from Mansfield, Ohio, who wrestled around here, he's from uh, 
Buffalo, New York swinger is. Johnny Paradise, he's the guy that Papa Shango lit the fire in his hand, the job guy on TV. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Hahn. But his, his rest name was Johnny Hotbody Paradise. So then you had Johnny Hollywood Swinger Paradise, and he came to Detroit to wrestle. Johnny Paradise called Swinger and said, hey, bro, that's my name around here is Johnny Paradise. He's like, all right. So now he just became Johnny Hollywood Swinger instead of Johnny Hollywood Swinger Paradise. And uh, he did that out of respect for Paradise, who never did anything in the wrestling business. You know, God bless him. He's a good dude. Beat brain cancer. He does movies now. Um, But Johnny Swinger did that back in the 90s, and I remember that. But anyway, now he's on Impact. He's one of Demore's dudes, you know, in case you haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he, uh, I want to say he was the trainer at border city wrestling, uh, the school Canon wrestling school for a while, but yeah, he, he makes it count and he's not afraid to make someone else look better at his expense. But my problem with this segment was hey, by the way, the first segment I said, I didn't like, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, who the hell is that? Oh, Michelle just matched with me on a dating site. So, um, he the first, nice. He always is always distracted. I didn't like Tina being the, the, the boss, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, P.S. I also didn't like Karen Jarrett as the boss. I, there's a lot of, you know, Dixie Carter had no problem. Vicky Guerrero had no problem. They were entertaining as whatever. But they, they're just hard. Second thing I didn't like is I know they're trying to push this Puerto Rican young guy. Hooventude and uh, Psychosis. Psychosis should have won that match because you have Conan, which is some odds and end guy, and they win. So I didn't agree with that. Uh, I know I'm armchair booking here, but they're not mm-hmm. around anymore, so I think I got it right. Now you got Simon coming out, who I remember when I first saw Simon Diamond, he was a lot thinner, like in great shape. Mm-hmm. He had long hair, I believe. Uh, wasn't his group called the Diamond Mind or something like that with Swinger and one other guy? No, yeah. It, it wasn't a name. He never named it really, but it was Simon Diamond Swinger. He had a couple other. He had C.W. Anderson. He had uh, Louis Dangerously and all that stuff. Yeah. So he comes out, talks mad shit about Lawler's girl, who's not Stacy, by the way, mm-hmm. um, Kat. And then they wrestle. And what were they hoping to get out of that? Lawler goes in there and beats him handily. They do a spot in absolute slow motion where Swinger's holding them. I like the concept of the spot. Like, they just kept messing up until Swinger gets powdered, and he pile drives them. Kills them on the pile driver. Beats them, but it looks like he beats two guys by himself. And then goes right back to the commentary booth. And I thought, if this was 2022, the next thing you hear is Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger released from WWF. 30-day no-compete. That's what you would have saw after this episode aired because what you you got these almost still young guys. 20 years ago, Swinger's 30, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon, I would assume, is somewhere yeah. in the 30s. And Lawler's 60, 50-year-old ass comes out there and pe- beats them both handily, basically, and then goes right like it was no sweat. I just thought, what? what? And that's when I knew this was a place for the old dudes who were mad that the young dudes took their spot and whatever promotion they had them in, were holding on to those spots there. There was no reason to have law. I know it's to defend his is, woman, right? Is it but is it holding on to your? But wait, is it holding on to your spot, or because of the uh, let's say the mission statement to have these nostalgic guys from the '80s that people who went to Universal Studios for free, at least they know Jerry Lawler. Do so you, it makes more sense. Anybody came there to see Jerry Lawler wrestle. 
I don't. Not I'm not saying that they did. Not, I'm just saying well, that he. Not 20 but let's be honest. I'm being honest here. And I'm an ECW mark, but I know there's a difference because less people knew Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger than they did with Jerry Lawler and the puppies. So that's why for those fans, those 100, 200 fans, they were happy enough to see Jerry Lawler get in the ring, do that hokey handicap match against Simon and Swinger, and then he gets the win, and then everybody's happy. Whether that's real, legitimate, again, like you said, it looks forced. It looks like a, a choreographed clapping and hollering and who who didn't holler, but that was for the effect of TV, and Jerry Lawler did it for the fans. I don't know. I'm just I'm, The fans that have an applause meter. Yeah. You're getting too much credit. The only thing I will say is Lawler's in pretty good shape. He didn't mm-hmm. have the beer belly he has now. You know, God, he's 70 years old. Of course he does. Sure. But he, he's in pretty good shape there. But I still, and he didn't do much. He was slow. They were, it was almost botchamania worthy. That spot. You know the spot I'm talking about, right? Where they, they each took turns holding him and the other one ducked yeah. and finally Simon super kicked Swinger out of the ring. Uh, and Simon, Simon did that first spot and it, it sucks. So they redid it and Swinger got it right. And then that's well, why. I, I think that, and I, I, I like the ingenuity of the spot doing it three times. Like it was like, man, these guys, it was three stooges is what it was. It was slapstick comedy. Um, and then he super kicks him over the top rope. But then Lawler just absolutely kills him with the pile driver. And then, just like the Road Warriors killed those twins with the Doomsday device. Like, the dude lands on his head and comes up with a bloody nose. So that tells you how he landed. How you bust mm-hmm. your nose when you're supposed to be taking a back bump is 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 very, very not good. So, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I didn't like that segment at all. I, I would assume Simon Diamond didn't do much there in that year that he was there. Because, I mean, if you're losing to the commentator in the second episode, you're probably not doing much the rest of the way. I, I agree with that 100%. Again, we just don't know the core roster of XWF. I think, again, everybody's there. On the- what they probably did, they probably came down there like Impact does now. They probably came down and filled a month's worth of stuff right. for for one night, one weekend, if you will. And then they do it, and then they do what they can with what they got. And then the in, next the time- hopes, in the hopes of getting a TV deal, and then right. you, you, you do and what then you the do. And the next time you get them down there, those same guys might not be available because they're not contracted. That that's a great uh, what you just said. I, I like that sentiment that you said because that's a risky thing to do. Reflection, if you if you fill a month's worth of TV and then WWE calls you and you have Simon and Swinger, you know, let's say having a WWE contract, you can't use their likeness on XWF because they're contracted WWF stars. It wouldn't make sense. Jerry it's Lawler a is a, a perfect it's example. He left. He he went back to WWF, so if XWF came off the ground, he couldn't go back. It, it would have made no sense. Uh, you know what the modern equivalent of that is, or the, the, the Hollywood equivalent of that is? is Global Force. People, they had a lot of that. No, I mean TV, not wrestling. Oh. The, have you ever watched a show? Uh, perfect show is Jess, the show Jess, or New Girl. Okay. Uh, the pilot had Marlon Wayans Jr. in it. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got picked up for a series, Marlon Wayne Jr. was on Happy People on ABC. So when they got picked up, episode two, he's not in it. And um, he got killed Winston's off. On there. <laughs> went, no, he didn't get killed off. They said he went back to New York to marry his uh, sweetheart or whatever and coach basketball. His name's Coach mm-hmm. on there. So then Winston becomes the black roommate because they replaced one black guy with another black guy. And Winston was so over that by season three, when Happy Endings was over, 
Mm-hmm. Coach came back. Now there's four of them, but Coach doesn't live with them. But he's in every episode with them, and now they're four-piece instead of a three-piece band. But uh, okay. the dudes. But it was. But that's what happens when you're filming all this. Remember the AWA thing we did? Mm-hmm. Where they filmed all this stuff in January and February, and it had to air throughout the year. And by the time it airs in November, Slaughter's back in the WWF as a heel Iraqi sympathizer, mm-hmm. and they can't air his shit because he's not there anymore. And I mean, they, they, they explained it away, too. Right, right. They probably could air it because it was filmed before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the WWE going to do? Dude, we filmed this in January. We're airing it. Fuck you. Pick one, suck it. You know, it right. might turn into a lawsuit, but they they filmed it in January when he wasn't under contract. So, you know, do what you got to do. But, yeah, yeah. I, and that's the risk you take with, with doing these. Whereas Impact doing it once a month, they are under contract. So you don't have that fear. But bringing mm-hmm. guys in to do job like – I just saw today Jake Something is doing a dark match against uh, Jay Lethal. So that means Jay Lethal will finally get a win. Um, but he's he's doing Elevation or Dark or whatever the hell those shows are. Um, Jake mm-hmm. Something shared it on Instagram. That's the only reason I saw it. But uh, but he's not under contract there. So he could very well sign with Impact and go back there if he does sign back with them. But Yeah, he could. But, again, I, I think the difference is the AW, you know, Doing the, the the stuff in wrestling lore in the 80s and 90s, of course, you had that six-week thing. So, you know, you did your television or you did your contractual duties or whatever, the, the company duties, whatever that you want to call it. And then you get on TV. So it, it, did, it wasn't no conflict interest. Now, we don't know the logistics. You you better, you, you, you have to be, you well, know, there, you have to do a- your dates. There, this, you know what? This is on that wrestling news on Facebook, which, by the way, is someone's personal blog. It ain't no fucking news. Uh, mm-hmm. They just all do it together under the same banner. There's, there's been at least two, but I want to say three different women have been on SmackDown and Dynamite or Rampage in the same night. Oh, with because, the Lothario girls. Yeah, the, lo- yeah. the Lothario kiss thing. Yeah, I, I remember that. So. But yeah. then they're not contracted. So Two days apart. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they, the Dynamite has uh, Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they did live SmackDown, but their recorded match on, on Rampage. Yeah. But no, it had you. No. And there was, a, yeah. there was one guy that did it, too. I can't remember who yeah. the guy I know what you're talking about, but they're not really legit contracted either way. So no, I get no, But no, that, I that's a great loophole on that one. They're yeah. doing jobs, so. So within this XWF episode, I, at least I want to, you know, point out one thing that, that kind of was funny because I think during this time they were separated. And this is even before, you know, the third party that gets into it. Malcolm Bibbins, yeah. Got that for free today. Oh, cool. Uh, Alistair Black, nice. Or Malachi Black. Excuse me, reflection. I said. Oh, that's Alistair, because I bought this. Oh, okay. Nice. You know, you're making me lose my train of thought. I'm trying to get back into this. But there was a conflict. Oh, I gave it away. Rena Mero before the third party. Yeah. I think that's what you were about to talk about. Yes, I was going to talk about that. Thank you. It was. Yeah. But there was a guy that came back out of retirement. Johnny B. Bad. He oh, had Jeff- a match. Oh. Who dressed like Wild Man other than had bad written on his ass. Right. Who came back to have a match with uh, Norman Smiley. I always love Smiley. You know, he untapped potential, in my humble opinion, in WCW. With the, Norman w- w- with the Norman Wiggle. That was an awful wiggle. That was the white wiggle, but neither here nor there. Oh, trying to be bad did the white wiggle. <laughs> got over because of the applause meter. 
Right. But I, I thought it was kind of funny with that timing. Of course, the Marrows are probably on the outs with each other. They're probably separated. This is before Brock Lesnar came into the picture. I think Brock Lesnar and Reno Marrow got married in 2004, 2005. So it, it didn't, it, it wasn't a conflict of interest then. But TW shows you the professionalism of Reno Marrow, shows you the professionalism of Mark Merrow, a.k.a. the Wild Man, a.k.a. Johnny B. Bad, even though they didn't have a segment together, to be in that same building with each other, knowing the tension that they have with each other. Again, Rita Merrow took his spot in WWE in 98. Took, took him out of, the, out of the scene. She catapulted up. She, she Again, the playboy. Vince McMahon knew what he wanted out of her and then kicked Wild Man Mark Merrow out the, out the pasture. He signed him to that deal, and it was like, "Fuck you, Mark, Mark Merrill. I don't care. I got, I got the better part of the deal." With uh, no, no, no. They used him for a while, and then what killed him was make him a boxer. That was it. And they made him like Macho Man. First, he comes in as this huge baby face against Hunter, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, he's a heel Macho Man using her as a shield. Becomes a box. It's, it was bad. It was, he. They should have just called his ass Johnny. Be good. They should have never changed his damn name. Johnny Be mm-hmm. Bad is literally. If you want to talk untapped potential, that's the guy. And I was excited to watch him wrestle as Johnny Bad. But he came out as Mark Merrill. Short hair, the Mark, the Wildcat robe, not the feathers and bows and shit of Johnny B. Bad. He had the gun, which he mm-hmm. points at Smiley. Like, oh, that'd be great if that accidentally goes off, you dumbass. But he's in great shape. I was happy to see the name Johnny B. Bad. But untapped potential is, I, 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 hey, I'll tell you what. For all the times we talk about our favorite WrestleMania moments, he debuted at WrestleMania in an interview spot. I think mm-hmm. it was Triple H. Sable was his ring girl or some shit. And Mark yeah. Merrill came out. When they called that motherfucker Mark Merrill, I was like, what? And then when I seen him come out as wild thing, Mark Merrill, I'm like, wah, wah. <laughs> like that, that was it for me. He was literally in my top ten favorites, probably top five. That's Johnny B. Bad. Mm-hmm. And then when he became Wild Thing Mark Merrill, I was like, and then the boxer? Forget about it. The only good thing about him being the boxer is I have a custom wrestling figure of me where I use his damn lower body for basketball shorts and, okay. then, his, and then headbanger mosh for the upper body. But then again, again, I'm going with speculatory here. Right. There, there has to be a little bit of tension, even in that Universal oh. Studios, between Mark Merrill and Rena Merrill. You know, of course, they don't have to watch. They're, they're before. They're before. Um, no, they're after Macho Man and Elizabeth having to coexist. Mm-hmm. They're before um, Jeff Jarrett or Kurt Angle and Karen Jarrett. And then right. also you have uh, who's the third? Uh, Matt Hardy. Actually, Matt Hardy and Lita's before that. That's even before Macho Man and uh, Elizabeth having to coexist. It's wow. just, it's, I told you, Macho mm-hmm. Man said it to whoever he said it to. I think it was DDP. He said, bro, I use my wife in the wrestling angle. She and my wife no more. <laughs> like, you just don't mm-hmm. do it. It is the absolute kiss of death. He used his girlfriend in a wrestling angle, and he got kicked out of the WWE. So that that's... That's even worse than what Macho Man had to go through, So, in my humble opinion. But, again, for nostalgic purposes, I guess, for the, the fans of, of Universal Ma- Studios, let me just say this. Johnny B. Bag got the win over Norman Smiley. So I just wanted to it was go a good match. It was a good match. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was face versus face. It was the wholesome thing that you said that they're trying to put on. Uh, they respected each other. I believe they shook hands before and after. They, it was just a I kind of I kind of find it funny that Johnny B. Bad is supposed to be wholesome when that character initially was kind of like a double entendre. He was, you know, he was perceived gay. I'm not saying he, you know, I, there's nothing against little that, but he was little Richard. Yeah, he was little Richard, but he was perceived gay, and then it was kind of like it was kind of iffy. Like he had that Adrian Street kind of quality at first, but then he kind of went into that kid-friendly mode, and he wasn't gay anymore. So I just wanted to point that he out. Became doink, which is why when he went to WWF, I was like, "Fuck yeah, he's going to be a star here." Do you know? And this is a rare thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you remember back in the day, like Austin's a perfect example. He wore the same thing every time he wrestled. And then any other wrestler, like even Hogan, before he went red and yellow every time, he would have powder blue and white, red and white, uh, black when he was a heel. But they wore just regular ass stuff. Johnny B. Bad, who was nobody, he got mm-hmm. signed to WCW as Johnny B. Bad. He wasn't a job guy. Yet. He had it. No, no. It might have been his mild man, Mark Merrill. Uh, either one of them. He's he wild it. man, not mild man. Come on, you be right. He's mild. He had it in his contract. Sting had it, and Wild Man had it in WWF. I think now that I think about it, because I think WCW created them, so they did put the money into it. He had a wardrobe allowance in his contract, okay. so that's why he always had different capes and different gear because mm-hmm. he got them when they signed him to give him uh, an allowance for gear. So he always could get new gear. Oh, cool. And that's, that's smart. Cool. That's investing in yourself. Like, he didn't say, look, I want you to pay me more money. I just want you to f- furnish my gear so that I can, you know, invest in myself. And now they have a seamstress on the spot who sews your shit right in the back. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised so. if Mark Merrill is the reason inevitably that happened because other guys would come there and go, I want, like, Cody Rhodes, I wonder if he's got it in his. Because he wears pretty awesome, like, elaborate shit. No, I, I think... I think, like, Mark Merrow, you got to give Shawn Michaels a lot of credit because of his gear, that WWE's infrastructure had to create that kind of fashion department behind the scenes, behind behind the scenes with the scenes. They reinvent themselves. Gargano. Mm -hmm. So it it makes total sense. And then maybe it saves money or maybe they pay you less because they have the seamstress. So it kind of goes into your salary. So, you know, it's a win-win for Vince McMahon and WWE. So... Let's uh, kind of like put a bow on this because I don't I don't know how, I can name a couple of people in XWF Reflection Ice. So you know the public enemy was there. Why the were they changing South Philly Posse? Did they finally get sued by Chuck D? I think so. Yeah, they had to change their name a couple of times. So yeah, and public- I can't remember. It's Rocco Rock and Vinny. Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge. Johnny Grunge. Yeah. That's the thing that started depressing me on this, because this is only 20 years old. This is what made me realize that it was... Uh, a lot of dead book. people, yes. I know. Uh, because it said that that was the South Philly gang with the late, great Rocco Rock, and I'm like, uh, they're both gone. And I'm like, fuck, did he die right after they filmed this? And that's when I saw the copyright was 05. So, and then they said the late, great Kurt Hennig, so I knew he died right around then. So it was bombing me out, because at, at last count, I had 10 guys that were gone. And and mm-hmm. just just what we watch, you had both Road Warriors, yeah, uh, both Public Anima, Mister mm-hmm. Perfect, mm-hmm. and then you had me Piper. and Gene Piper. Uh, 
Mickey J, the referee, I believe, is gone. Mm-hmm. Did I say Bobby Heenan? Uh, I think he did. Yeah. Bobby Heenan and Snooker. There's your 10. And then there's other guys. I don't even know who the fuck they are. I wouldn't be surprised if Hale or Heidenreich Hogan are dead from the steroids. You know what I mean? They were jacked up on roids. Magnificent Seven, I give to you the Grim Reaper, Tommy Wonder. <laughs> so, Dude, it bummed me out, man. That's only 20 years ago. You point this out too much, but <laughs> don't point it out if it bums you out. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. But anyway, let's close this out with the main event here. I guess the hot main event, if you want to call it TW, that's debatable. But, you know, I'm trying to be nice here and respectable. But the main event was Kurt Henning being managed or, you know, associated with Bobby the Brain Heenan, a great a great nostalgic reunion between the two. But again, it didn't offer that same flair for 2001, 2002 purposes, reflection nights. I'm being real here. I'm being objective here against Buff Bagwell. You know, Buff Bagwell was a victim of circumstance. You know, he could have been the man for the reboot WCW and WWE in 2001, 2002. Buff Bagwell could have been the main man for XWF purposes. He could have been the main man for XPW, but he was a victim of his own arrogance and a victim of you know, using his mama for business purposes. So neither here nor there. But again, TW, this was your main event. You know, there was a lot of chicanery, a lot of fuckery. You saw Piper make an appearance. You saw Rena Merrill make an appearance. So I called it a clusterfuck, uh, double disqualification ending, in my opinion. But again, you know. No, perfect pendum. I don't know if it counted because, again, the power struggle angle. That's right. When you have the episode. With him having pinned him, and then Kurt Hennig's like, fuck you, Vampiro, and knocks him out, too. Right. So I call it a perfect plex. That's where he called it the Hennig plex. I'm like, how do you call Mr. Perfect, and he called it the Hennig plex? Well, again, you know, you got to protect the, the brand. That's what WWE is. You know, you, you kind of slip. Mr. Perfect. I, 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 got I got an idea. Any wrestler who gets released between now and 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 whenever you hear this, if you leave WWE, like Cesaro, if they won't let you use your name, Cesaro's not a good example. But someone like Mr. Perfect, he could have then went to WCW and called himself Senor Perfecto. And I wonder if they could get around the copyright. No, you can't. That, Senor that's, Perfecto? That's your life. You know, nope, liable. Nope, you get sued. Uh, update. Uh, yeah. Emery Hale was his name. Um, add him to the list. He died at 36 years old. He was Lord Humongous, one of many. Yeah, one of many. Yeah. He got a kidney transplant, so probably got stiffed in this match against that little sh chubby dude. So and what's he, the count? You, is that 11? Yeah, he died okay. of kidney failure at age of 36. And I don't remember the other guy's name, that Heidenreich-looking dude. God bless him. But uh, that at the end of this main event? Dresden, uh, you said? Dresden? No, Dresden was Sub-Zero. Who, who's oh. the blonde guy with the mustache that like Heidenreich Hogan? He come out and did the worst double clothesline to Mr. Uh, to Vampiro and Buff Bagwell. No, that's Hale. That's not Hale. Hale was He's the bald. tall bald. No, oh. Hale was the tall bald guy that fought that little chubby jobber. Well, every white guy looks the same to me, so I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but TW, let, let's put a bow on this match again. You know, you, you see. You see a little bit of 80s WCW Saturday Night. You see 80s huh? WWF Wrestling Sorry. Challenge main event. So what say UTW? Did it? Did you? Were you satisfied as a wrestling fan seeing this, or they could have done better, or because they were trying to? They were trying to do so much because they know they're under the gun of trying to create a storyline. Because this this is the problem with the XWF. If this is episode one or episode two, 
you're trying to supplant a lot of things. I get one thing for TNA Impact Wrestling when they did their uh, episodic stuff on pay-per-view every week. It was a slow build. It was a slow burn of, of things. You did your title tournaments. You build a storyline here and there. But in XWF, maybe because this was a DVD collect collage, they were right. lumping a lot of shit in. And right. the only consistent storyline was Rena Mara and Roddy Piper. Wrestling just didn't seem consistent to me. What's ATW? Let's put a bow on this. Was it Ian Harrison? Was that the guy's name? Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the guy you're talking about, Ian Harrison, the first XWF heavyweight British champion. British Storm Ian Harrison, still mm-hmm. alive. Well, that's still good. Alive. Yeah, so uh, I think it deserved better. Um, it makes me feel like WCW could have sustained this way. Um, if they make it like an attraction at Universal Studios like Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And they happen to film it and throw out DVDs every now and again, it would be hard to get a following because... I mean, it would have back then. I mean, the tape traders were still around back then, so you could have done it, you know, without TV. And you just hope to get a build big enough build that hey, let's start airing this shit on TV, not just DVDs. Um, but it deserved better. Um, I wish I'd have known about it back then. Maybe I would have tried to go down to Florida, do a couple jobs for the Road Warriors, get my fucking nose broke uh, with mm-hmm. Rudos. But uh, it deserved better, man. And 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 you know, all the guys we named, with the exception of the Shane brothers, who. For being honest, they would fucking black hole of charisma. Um, Hail, God rest his soul, black hole of charisma. Mm-hmm. Ian, whatever, at least he gave it a go. You know, he, he, uh, I did read something the other day, Dutch Mantel, on the Facebook news. He was healing on my boy Luger, but he made a very valid point. And he said someone told him the worst, the worst guys in the ring are the bodybuilder guys because they're always posing. Like, instead of selling... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things Scott Demore taught me and Mickey Doyle, you do not do. And I watch people do this in every match, including the hail match against the job guy. When your clothes get messed up from you taking a bump, you don't okay. fix them. You do not fix them. You, you let them stay there. And then when you can inconspicuously fix them after you take the offense back, you do it. But mm-hmm. so many guys do that, like, you know, their pants get caught up their ass and they yank it down real quick after taking a powerbomb. No, you should be worried about selling the powerbomb, not that. So there is some greenness with these young guys. I didn't like that Vampiro and Buff were the young guys when you could have easily had AJ, Kid Cash, the Shane twins, whoever you want to use out there. It's just, it just, it lost me when buff and and it's almost like they're trying to put buff out there like he was never a heel it was weird that he was the opponent for kurt hennig to me right like why can't he's buff daddy yeah but he's a fucking fucking heel in nwo aj should have been perfect's opponent yeah it doesn't like the marquee matchup but you have all that stuff and now aj's elevated right that's that's kind of well i have to disagree that's kind of like the hindsight 2020 thing that we're doing right now but back then this is a this is a new company yeah. That doesn't mean you have to follow the mantra of what he did in WCW. That you don't if follow you that the history. They promoted the third disc. It was Hogan versus Hennig. Why wasn't that the first match? You know what I mean? Why? Why Buff? That's Buff versus Hennig is a weird main event for me. And mm-hmm. you know, Buff is unfortunately turned into the fucking modern day honky tonk man, where he's just bitter. Um, I, you know, he, look, man. There's a reason only one guy ever has been fired after a week in the WWF. I disagree. There's two other guys. They're called Sean and Marty. Uh, but when you're the only guy, it's well, you. It's not public, the company. It's public you. Enemy was fired in a day, but that's a different story, too. Uh, from WWE? 
Yeah. Because they probably did something they were told not to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a fucking crossover, wasn't it? Wasn't it ECW Invasion that they got fired? There was some booking, and then APA beat the shit out of him, and then they got fired after that. So that's how it went. Yeah. So, but 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 I'm saying, again, you, you just said it. We both agree. Public Enemy did something. And we both know Sean and Marty did something. You, you, you ever hear the story about Sean and Marty when they were first teaming together? With the, the, their, the Jimmy Jack it, Funk story? Yeah, I, I heard that. In WWF. They would fight bad company every, well, I'm sorry, the fucking, what the fuck were they called? The Asian Express, Orient Express. Mm-hmm. So Paul Diamond and Janetti are the partiers. Tanaka and Sean weren't. Shocking. That is so shocking. That ain't the case no more. But then Sean mm-hmm. took it serious. Marty wanted to party. Paul Diamond wanted to party. They would leave the arena together as tag teams. They would pull a mile down the road and do the... Chinese car drill, and Paul Diamond and Janetti would drive together, and Tanaka, kind of like the Sheik and Duggan getting busted on 75 with the drugs and beer. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to be seen together because of kayfabe. So one of the stories is Diamond and Janetti are in the hotel room and doing elbow drops from the second floor balcony down to their rental car that Sean and Tanaka had, just chopping elbows high as fucking drunk, just crushing these cars, and then Sean and Tanaka had to turn it in the next day because it's the rental. They got to pay for the the, the damages yeah, too, unless you got yeah. the insurance. But that's the shit that happened. So it's no surprise that Sean and Marty beat the fuck out of each other to get fired the first time they were in WWE. Because that's, that's what not surprised. It was because of Piper. Both yeah. of them were trying to show up in front of Piper and end up fist fighting, and they got fired. But but anyways, Buck Bagwell, huge fan of his. When he was the handsome stranger and 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 um. Global, I was like, that dude's going to be a star someday, and he was. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. he cared more about partying than he did about, you know, whatever. And now he's a bitter man. I mean, he, he's I guess he's pretty pro-AEW, but it's almost it's almost transparent because he's so anti-Vince yeah, McMahon. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's bitter. I mean, his Twitter, he's kind of a uh, – he's he buried, on Twitter. If, he, if, if the three letters WWE come out of his mouth, whatever comes next is not going to be nice. Any mm-hmm. chance he gets to take a shot at them, he does. And that, to me, is better. But like I said, if you're – he said, I'm the only guy in history to main event Raw and the next week be fired. Well, there's a reason because there's a yeah. lot of fuck-ups throughout time in WWF. And mm-hmm. you – you, but his reputation preceded him. They never brought Lex what it back. Is. They never brought right. Lex back. Lex burned a fucking bridge. He works for him now, not in the Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. that dude burned a bridge when he showed up on Nitro. You know, he he burned them, and Vince don't forget. Yeah, he had a documentary that got shelves, too. Yeah. So it is what it is. But, again, this has been the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks at PowerBeam.com. We gave you a little boardroom-esque uh, talking about XWF, Excitement Wrestling Federation. Again, this was a DVD set, so we, talk, we talked about episode two here from the xwf collection so we hope you enjoy that so tw give out those socials so we can get out of here i'm gonna give these out first i usually give them out towards the end but because he did a promo and we didn't even bring it up big Vito did a promo on this episode we watched uh, and so we're gonna go ahead and do big Vito brand Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. Also, the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network can be found at PWC Network at Podbean.com. We still with them? Somebody just left them. Um, we still our there. Show, our show is at PW Reflection on Twitter. Um, 
Big Ray can't do it without him. At Big Ray Hernandez um, is his Twitter account. Mine are at Tommy Wonder 19 and at the Tommy Wonder, which is also my TikTok is the Tommy Wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is number wonder. And of course, the dumb dumb doing an idiot still waited to do a video, but we're going to do a bunch when we finally get it. Oh, I'm I'm still waiting with bated breath. I think your stomach is waiting with bated breath. You got to be eating. I found a new thing that I want to do. I got to run it by him. I think it'll be nice and simple. You're gonna keep him on your toes. That that you've learned that from the professor. That's how that's how <laughs> I do it for the PWR <laughs> podcast, Reflectionize. And you can follow me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. You can follow my brothers in arms from the PWSO YouTube networks. That is A-Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city, the king of the reactions, the man that's been destroying Walt Clyde Frazier on a, on a consistent basis. You can follow him at, at A-Track Dastly. And, of course, follow my man, the man with the documents. He already knows about the Supreme Court uh, rulings. He already knows about the, the protests that's going to happen. He already knows about, you know, the Armageddon that's coming within the next couple of years, you know, a national ban on everything. This is, we're going to live in Escape from New York and Escape from L.A., T.W. It's happening. It doesn't matter who's running the country. We're happening. It's going to happen. But anyway, that's OB1, you know me, Billy Ray Valentine himself. Next week, who are you trying to be? Johnny Grunge? Public Enema. Oh, okay. I knew you were trying to be one of them. What the hell is a Public Enema anyway? What, well, what's the problem? I'm going to be nice here. To, well, not nice, but I, I, I think we should do something uplifting. And I want to dedicate the next episode kind of like to you because you're very spiritual, TW. <laughs> yep. You're a very spiritual man. You read the Bible every day, weekly. True. And shout outs to T-Bolt, you know, Pastor Travis Bolt. influence in my life. So, yeah, he is. So, I want to go back to the movies and we, I want to do a very serious one because I saw this on Tubi TV. I was kind of bored, so but it was there. Great. So and you I, watch- I watched it, so you know. But it was it was very. You know, it's it's one of those very uplifting ones, and I and it was it was a great journey for for this gentleman. And we're gonna do the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. I think we should do that. This is the most serious movie. PWR at the movies will ever do because I think it's a very uplifting story. It's a motivational story. This is an actual like actors playing him, or is this a no? Doc- this is this is a documentary of Jake the Snake's recovery. That's the one DDP. on the network. No, D- this is on DDP. Tubi. This DDP. is like a DDP's in it. Scott Hall's in it. He meets his daughter. Huh? He meets his daughter for the first time. No, his his sons and daughters have like interviews. I don't know. I, it, they, so this might be a different one because there's another one I watched on Netflix that was on there. No, I'm not talking about the the other one. I'm talking about the resurrection. This is. I uh, think that's the one where he met his daughter. Oh no, meeting his daughter was. Uh, that's wrestling with shadows or kind of thing. No, that's that, the one with Mick Foley. That very first one that got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Body, body's not body slam. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But this is the res. This is about Rolling him. About this is- Tony Atlas around Mick Foley yeah. and. Jay- Snake. Yeah, this is the res. I watched this. I watched this actually. Believe it or not, Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Uh, him and Scott Hall, I think, had ones come out not long after each other. Um, I watched the Resurrection of Jake the Snake either with Travis in North Dakota the first year I went there, mm-hmm. or he watched it and I watched it at the same time and t- texted about it. But I do remember it. But I would absolutely watch that again because it is. It's pretty heavy. It's a very heavy movie. Reflection Ice and. You know, most of our PWR after movies, we make fun of it, but I don't want to make fun of this one. I think it's more, I, I want to give it to, I want to make it 
for TWT, not kind of host it, but use that spiritual spirituality, use the the positivity from the Bible. And I want to I want to put his positive Bible verses into this movie. And I want to at least enjoy this. And I hope you enjoy the episode if it comes out right in my head. So with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Tommy wanted to say goodnight, and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at the PWSL Network at PowerBeam.com. Peace! Nobody beats perfect. Nobody. That's right.